Hey Northridge, welcome to A Little Better, where our goal is to know God better and to do better so that we can be a little better. Hey everyone, and welcome back to A Little Better. We are so glad that you are with us. My name's Aaron Hickson, and I'm the Rochester Campus Pastor, and I am joined this week by Marcus Nelson, the online Hello. campus pastor. What's your actual middle name? Because it's not S. It's not Mark S. That would be too convenient. It, it is not S. It is uh, it is Lawrence. Yes, L. I knew that. So Mark Lawrence Nelson, the the infamous, famous, thank you for joining us today. And we're going to be, as we're starting off, I, I know that our listeners are waiting and watchers, of course, are here with us with bated breath, anticipating the results of our discussion of mm. the greatest Christmas movie of all time, which we asked for submissions. We got a bunch of them. I've got a spreadsheet in front of us. Uh, Drew is not with us as a result of the fact that the the Rona has run through his household. Thank you guys for praying for him. He's he's fine. I don't want anyone to think that he's unable physically to join us on the podcast. But since since uh, Mark got a chance to speak, we are having him on the podcast this week. So we're gonna go through this Christmas movie thing. But I just want to say, last week I threw some serious shade at our man Graham Spruill because he claims that the movie White Christmas is not a Christmas movie, which is of course ludicrous and we will get to that but hmm. i felt like the poor man did not have a chance to defend himself so hmm. he's in the waiting room get in here graham let's see if he can join us in this zoom call so this man can defend himself we now have hmm. another guest on the podcast connecting to audio he is here graham what's up what is up guys so hey, graham. graham tell me why we're just going to cut right to it and just say how could you believe something as ludicrous as the fact that white christmas is not a christmas movie also tell me how you found out that you got shouted out in the podcast because i know i didn't say anything to you <laughs> dude first of all uh i came ready to fight today because i heard <laughs> my name uttered on a little better podcast and i thought you could have done a little better job Hit oh, me. I'm, I'm kidding. Here's the thing. Let me, I'll give you a quick little concise. Let me give you some back, background backstory because I don't hate white Christmas. Let me be clear to all those who are desperately offended because this is such a classic movie. It is a classic movie. I would give you that. It is a classic movie. Let me give you a little backstory on, on how I came to this conclusion because it's not a hot take just for hot take's sake. It is my wife, Jess's favorite Christmas movie, and I had never seen it. And so love makes you do crazy things. And so I said, you know what? I need to watch this movie. And I don't know if we watched it together or what, but I'm thinking this is a classic movie. It's a Christmas movie. It's my wife's favorite Christmas movie. It's called White Christmas. <laughs> okay. I am in for a treat for a, for a Christmas treat. And when I watched it, was it a good movie, a funny movie? Yes. But my initial reaction was absolutely, I was underwhelmed. I was so underwhelmed because why, why would I say such a thing? Because I expected a Christmas themed movie. And when I think of a Christmas themed movie, I think of you, you're talking elf, you're talking the Santa, oh, you got Santa, you got elves, you got all this. I mean, the Polar Express, shout out to your message, Mark, and what you guys are getting ready to talk about. The Polar Express is like the quintessential Christmas movie. I mean, who doesn't want to live that reality because it looks so epic? White Christmas, here's what I'll say. 
classic, yes. Good movie, yes. It is a movie that culminates in Christmas. It is not a Christmas movie. I rest my case. Wow. Okay, Mark, before I eviscerate that nonsense, <laughs> what do you have to say? About White Christmas? Yes. What's super interesting is that Graham's story is almost identical to mine. Thank you. Right? Oh, okay. Dude, so, like, yes. my, my wife yes. watched this movie every year, and I had never seen it. So, just like Graham, I was building up expectation. And a lot of times when you do that for a movie, it's not going to lead to a good outcome because you you expect super big things. And then when I watched it, I, I was so let down. And yeah. I'm actually my view of white Christmas is, is actually far worse than Graham's, uh, <laughs> whether that offends anybody or not. It's, I, I actually think it's kind of trash. Like I don't <laughs> like it at all. Whoa. Like, like, oh my um, goodness. Yeah. Dude, I, I really don't. I really don't like the take. movie. Oh, <laughs> so they rich. watch it every year to this day. They watch it every year without me. Um, you know, and I just don't enjoy it. I, I don't enjoy it. Um, I don't know. I don't know Scrooge what to say. I, I can't I can't defend myself. Oh, okay. So guys, my I am the opposite of all of you. I'm the one who grew up watching it. Lauren, if, if she had seen it, she didn't remember it. We watched it married. I think it's great. I think that I yeah, not only is it a super enjoyable movie, I I think Danny Kay is amazing. I mean, obviously Bing Crosby. If you think of the song White Christmas, you're literally thinking of Bing Crosby because of that. I think your your definition of a Christmas movie is is so like brand, it's like Christmas with the cranks and jingle all the way and Polar Express. It's like these so they're just so in your face. There's no subtlety. There's no artistry. That's what's so good about White Christmas. Now, now unlike Graham, I do think it's a Christmas movie, right? I would okay. put it in the category of Christmas movie. I just think it's. A junk Christmas movie. So, uh, Graham, we were texting and you were like, you know, the song Snow that they sing on the train. He's like, oh, I'm so glad they were singing about Christmas, not snow or like all these different things. But like and that point is well taken. But I actually feel like all of the sentiments of Christmas culminate at the end of the movie. In other words, all of the different storylines and plots come together finally with the feel good of man, they stand up for the general and all the people come together and they rescue the lodge and the snow finally falls and like all of like the giving and the others focus and self-sacrifice and all those kinds of things. Um, they come together. So it doesn't have to be like from day, from the moment it starts, like it's the most wonderful time of the year. Like I just feel like they did a good job with that. All right. But I will okay. admit it's not like, I will admit it's not, it's not, um, it's not Christmas with the cranks. Okay. Okay, let me let, here. I got one more thing to say, and then you can you can pitch me out of this room. So you're talking about how are we defining Christmas movies? Well, let's define it by how it how it defines itself, its description. And to do that, I want to define some other Christmas movies as well. So Santa Claus, the Netflix description, or Amazon, a bizarre <laughs> twist of fate transforms a divorced dad into the new Santa. So you got Santa mentioned. A Christmas Story, classic. In this holiday classic, Ralphie, a young boy growing up in the 40s, dreams of owning a Red Ryder BB gun. He sets out to convince the world this is the perfect gift. Elf, here we go. He really, he one, really came armed here. <laughs> one Christmas Eve, a long time ago, yada, yada. We know Elf. Let me read to you the, descri- the self-describing description, if that is such a thing, of White Christmas. Two talented sun and dance men Bing Crosby and Danny Kaye team up after the war 
to become one of the hottest acts in show business. That is the Amazon description of what this movie is about. And you know what I would say to Amazon? Bravo. That is exactly oh what this goodness. movie okay. is about. Well, I'm You're really sure, glad that I'm you were sure. Able- <laughs> yes. Sure. yes oh no we we literally uh, we literally started watching it last night we're an hour through dude, again good movie culminates in christmas begins with christmas but personally i was uh, uh, underwhelmed when i watched it i will admit i fast forward through the choreography dance and um the best things happen while you're dancing is extremely good dancing but uh, that that scene gets a little long so there are two scenes i do fast forward through but the love you didn't do right by me. I mean, that'll, that is song is a move right there. I, it, <laughs> I cry. It just, woo. okay. Anyway, your relationships are not believable in that movie. That's all I'm saying. Oh my goodness. They just don't make sense. Okay. Hey, Mark, this is Mark, this comes from the guy I, who loves polar express. Mark, no. Here we go. Here we go. You and I are connecting because when your family wants to watch, wants you to watch white Christmas and they won't watch polar express with you, I will come watch Polo Express with you because Boom. it is actually my favorite Christmas movie. That's and great. I will call it a Christmas movie. So Okay. Awesome. Well, we're about to talk about that exact topic. So get out of here. I'm putting you in the waiting room. Goodbye. Thank you, Graham. Peace. Merry Christmas. See you, Graham. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that was painful. To all of our listeners, I just want to apologize for you having had to deal with that nonsense. Let's get to the best Christmas movies and let's just see. Let's just see who's right. Okay. Let's just look at these submissions. We thank you to Jen, to Kim, to Caitlin, to Adam, to Rick, to Emily, Mike, and John. We got a lot of submissions. Thank you guys for doing this. Um, and I, honestly, I have no criteria that I'm going to use. I'm just going to give you a little bit of some background and tell you what people submitted and then tell you what we're going to pick. We got Home Alone, got two votes. The Family Stone, which I actually, I'm going to admit, I've never I, heard of that. That got I don't vote. know what that is. Yeah. Polar Express got one. So your boy, Polar Express, Jingle All the Way mm-hmm. got one. It's a Wonderful Life got one. White Christmas got one. And Elf got two. Okay. So some of the movies we were discussing showed up in this list. And I'm, I, some of these were hilarious. Emily Waller told a story of the fact that her neighbor's kids watched Home Alone and then literally made multiple tires in their own parents' vehicle flat by putting nails in the driveway. What? <laughs> So I was just, I was weak at that. There was a bunch of funny descriptions. Adam Bixby said that Jingle All the Way is the best because of three reasons. Highly competitive, highly compelling narrative arc. It's objectively humorous. Arnold. Those were his three reasons. Okay, Arnold. <laughs> we're super funny. Again, about Home Alone, they gave a bunch of different reasons why it's the best. I've, I've never seen it. I can't even comment on that. I, I can't believe that. That's That blows my mind. You've never seen Home Alone. Jen we own Greenman that movie. Said, that's that's an amazing movie. I love it. John Greenman said, it's time for you to watch it. Not just for you. Do it for Hen Fam. Is what she said. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, okay. But I'm actually going to go with our winner this week. So you're going to win $10 to, uh, I think we said a copy shop i'm actually not sure rick we'll go back and listen to decide what the prize is but rick adams is going to be our winner he submitted okay. his life and here's why he legitimately wrote i'm gonna say you know a couple hundred words for sure it would have filled a full page of information about the importance of this movie in its historical context and the different cinematography that was used and some of the special effects background and the developments that came from it and all the awards that it's won and blah, 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 blah. It's a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes to this day. I I mean, Rick, you went all in. So I just got to say, thank you for taking the time to do this. Not to mention he did this like 20, less than 24 hours after the episode released. So 
on it. All I love that our listeners, most of these submissions were within 24 to 48 hours of the podcast dropping. So you guys are amazing. And Rick, we'll get you that gift card. And we're running another competition this week. So we want to hear from everybody. We're in the Christmas spirit. And this time it's going to be send us in. Um, what is the best thing that you only eat or drink at Christmas? What's the best thing that you only eat or drink at Christmas? And tell us why we're going to have another competition. The criteria this week is going to be, we need compelling reasons. All right. Like we're not just going with, I agree with you because I like that food or whatever I need. Come on, compelling or whatever reasons. And I got to say, we got a bunch of them this week. So let's keep that rolling. Rick, congratulations. We'll get you your stuff. Wow. Okay. We're actually going to get into something that's not ridiculous. Um, And Mark, I got to say, thank you for jumping in. I'm sure everyone, uh, all of our listeners and watchers have heard at this point that Drew and Ashley did get COVID. So that is Mm -hmm. um, sad. We're we're thrilled that they haven't had any worse symptoms than they've had. And I, I believe they're both basically on the mend at this point. So we're thankful. But that meant that you, we had a very crazy week last week scrambling to figure out what was going to happen. At one point, I was going to be preaching, but then I too had to quarantine. Um, also, as a side note, I've never seen the Polar Express. So I I, I got an hour into watching it um, to prepare for the sermon. And um, then things changed and I wasn't going to be able to. And we called you and it was also like your favorite. So I'm actually really glad that you got to do this. Not me. It would have been a How'd lot. How'd you more. like the first half? <laughs> It's pretty good, you know? It's okay. pretty good. Pretty good. Um, the animation is a little interesting. We can talk about that, but um, I'm really glad you got to do it. Thank you for jumping mm-hmm. in. Super short week. I mean, like what? Did you find out on what Wednesday, maybe? When when was the final decision made? Yeah, good question. Um, it, it was either Tuesday or Wednesday. It was Wednesday. later in one of those days. I think it was Tuesday, maybe afternoon, late afternoon. Sure. Well, short week. Thanks for doing it. Appreciate you jumping in. And um, you mentioned something before we get to Polar Express, you mentioned something about how there's things happening with the online campus in the background. So talk to us about that. Like what's coming? Yeah, no, thanks. Um, Yeah, I'm excited, you know, right now uh, and really for the last couple of months uh, since I stepped into this role as online campus pastor, we've been working behind the scenes to really prepare for what we think online campus can be. And I'm thankful for all that it's already been. I mean, I think we've done, and our team's done an amazing job, fantastic job of of providing that online experience for people to join us um, for church each and every Sunday uh, if they aren't able to be in one of our physical spaces. And man, it's obviously more important now than it ever has been that we make that available. But um, that's been great. But we have ideas of how we're um, going to make it even better than it's been. And uh, some of those include, uh, obviously, um, you know, it takes people. So building up teams. In fact, what's cool uh, is that you've already mentioned uh, one of our core team members, uh, Rick Adams, uh, who won our gift card Let's go. today. Let's uh, go. Rick is, Rick is our, our gon- uh, going to be or really kind of just now stepping into our systems manager role for our online campus. And he's got an awesome mind for that. Um, there are a couple of others that are jumping onto that core team that we're building uh, to be the key leaders for what you know unfolds with this campus. And then beyond that, just uh, a lot of volunteer roles as any campus would have our, our online campus needs volunteers as well. And so we're excited about those teams being built. And then really um, one of the things that is probably most important in all of this is that we're presently building uh, a physical studio, um, an online wow. campus studio. So this is really going to be um, you know, uh, headquarters, if you will, for all that happens on a Sunday uh, as people join us for online campus, what they're actually going to begin to see 
is that uh, as the online campus pastor, I'm actually going to be able to pastor them on Sundays. I'm going to be able to lead from uh, a, a platform, even though um, we're not in the same room, uh, they'll be able to join me in real time. And uh, man, I'm excited for that because uh, in these months where I've had the title, I haven't really had um, that opportunity. I've had other opportunities to interact sure. with people, but I haven't had that platform opportunity to really lead my campus in the way that I'm desiring to, and that I think will be good for us long-term. And so uh, in those talking points, you know, those those moments where we can cast vision and, uh, you know, speak to uh, our people um, outside of the sermon, uh, those are points in time uh, on Sunday morning that I'm, I'm looking forward to being able to connect with right, right with those at home, um, you know, to be able to, to speak to them right in their living room, uh, is going to be a really cool step forward for us. So there's, there's that. And then I think just really the idea of being able to offer next steps digitally in the same way that people experience them, uh, who might join us at one of our physical spaces. So that next step could be, uh, a group, you know, getting into a group, it, it could be starting point, uh, groups and starting point actually we've already begun to offer in a digital format. So that's, that's already awesome. taking place. Yeah. Um, and much thanks to Josh Horn there, who's really spearheaded both of those uh, for us already. Um, membership class this next time around, we're going to, we're going to offer that in an online format as well. Other equipped classes we desire to offer online. And then really uh, any other kind of next step that you could think to take, we want to get to the place where we're offering that in a digital way so that mm. people that are on our online campus aren't missing out. Um, wow. by not being with us physically. Well, so you were not kidding in terms of stuff cooking. There's a lot cooking. <laughs> a lot cooking, yeah. That, that sounds like preparations for Christmas dinner right there. There's a lot going in. So um, that's awesome. And I love the idea of like a physical space for a digital place. Like the, you've got to have, you got to be able to, you know, talk to your people and that requires a camera and it requires a, something to point the camera at and somebody running right. the camera and all that kind of stuff. So it will be a lot of the same logistics that um, you and I dealt with in regards to Greece and Henrietta in terms of syncing up with the stream and maybe making sure everything's lined up. You're just talking to a camera instead of a room full of people. And uh, so I, I love that. And at the end of the day, you're, you're talking to as many or more people in any given week, almost certainly more each week than, than anybody who has people in the room. So I think that's awesome. And also this past weekend, your campus had a huge growth spike. So uh, congratulations <laughs> on that. <laughs> um, I have a feeling that it won't be the last time that something like that happens even on short notice. So your campus yeah. will have a very interesting uh, growth curve over the years as it spikes and uh, stuff. So Anyway, um, that's really exciting. I'm, I'm stoked for online campus and, and really the reimagining of how ministry must happen in a world where we, we really do need it. We got to meet people in a different place, right? Literally in a different place. So, yeah. All right. Let's talk about Polar Express. I just want to ask you, I think this has something to do with my shelteredness growing up. I'm not really sure. We did not do Santa in my house, not in like a militant nobody's allowed to talk about Santa. It wasn't like, it wasn't weird in that way, but just Santa was imaginary. And so we didn't talk about him. <laughs> so talk to me about that. Did you grow up with Santa? Is that why you love Polar Express? Uh, yeah. Let's talk about it. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, yeah. It's interesting. You Even thinking about what a Christmas movie is. I mean, a lot of the Christmas movies we've been talking about um, really don't have anything to do with Christ. You know, <laughs> so <laughs> in that sense, they're technically not Christmas movies, but <laughs> At the I same time, like that's a grand, but I didn't want to sound oversaved. I didn't want to be, <laughs> right. but but in a in a broader cultural way, um, certainly there's a lot more that goes into um, into the celebration of the holiday 
than than only Jesus. And so we've got you know some other traditions that have come along as well. And I, I think for my family, um, I really appreciated the way that that my parents handled it. Um, they made it all about Jesus uh, in terms of what was what was real, um, what where the true emphasis was. But then they also allowed us to have to have some fun with with cultural traditions and and mm-hmm. cultural expressions. And so. Um, yeah, we, we definitely, you know, had fun with Santa, um, but we were never led to believe there was a real Santa, you mm-hmm. know, it was always from the beginning, it was always, you know, th- this is just for fun, you know, and, and, uh, some, some young kids actually do believe that this is real, but we were never meant or, or led to believe that. Um, uh, but I think for the Polar Express, I mean, I, th- I do think that, that that's where some of that does resonate with me because, you know, there's a little nostalgia tied in there, um, thinking about the fun that I did have with my family. And uh, we always knew it was just a joke. But at the same time, we had a, a lot of good times just as, you know, parents and children with uh, this one's from Santa, <laughs> you know, sure, um, sure. or just having fun with those traditions of, you know, when is he coming or, you know, did you hear him on the roof, that kind of stuff. Um, and so there's there's something wonderful, you know, about that as a young child. Um, or at least in my experience, there was, and I think that does resonate. Um, and then also, I just, you know, you mentioned the graphics. I, l- I think they're amazing graphics mm. for that movie. Um, and so I appreciate that. I, I do appreciate also the storylines, some of the underlying themes that I was actually able to draw from, uh, sure. even on Sunday, um, that I really just think it's, you know, it really tees it up for some of the spiritual truths that we talked about. Totally. Yeah. I, d- I don't know. We didn't, we didn't do Santa. We didn't, we had different kinds of fun things that we did and the Polar Express, the the hour of it that I've seen, um, (laughs) the graphics were good. It's, it's almost in that sort of ultra realistic space. It sometimes it can almost be off putting to me how close it looks to reality while not quite being real. So there's, to me, there's something of benefit to like toy story or something. That's just like, it's totally cartoon. Obvious. Right. Yeah. I mean, as opposed to like, Oh, it's almost right. (laughs) You know? And like, uh, Tom Hanks like looks like Tom Hanks. You know what I mean? I don't know. That's and he voiced like half the characters in it anyway. But yeah, and that's I knew why my was... kids hate it. That's why my kids hate it because they were so creeped out when they were little, because it did look close enough to be real. And that creepy guy in the train, you know, you just freaked oh, them out. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, that, that was one of the reasons. It stems back to you know they don't have good memories of that movie. So. <laughs> So I, I felt like an important thing that Drew and I talked about in the writing of this message and that you mentioned as well. Um, one of the one of the criticisms of Christianity, because obviously the, the underlying theme of the entire movie is belief. You know, uh, this kid trying to believe, wanting to believe, not sure he can. All the evidence points to the fact that Santa isn't real, you know, all those kind of things. And so obviously it has not intentional, but very real parallels to our belief in God. And in fact, the movie was used very substantially in Christian circles for a while when it first came out. And there's some controversy related to whether or not it was intended or whether the original book was intended that way or whatever. But regardless, um, all the evidence points against Santa and this kid's trying to believe because there's just something in him that wants to believe. And I guess the, the tension in all that is some of the criticisms levied against Christianity are that that's exactly what it is. Hey, all the evidence points against God. You're just choosing to believe. And in fact, some people will even say you have an imaginary friend or it's like believing mm-hmm. in Santa, etc. So I think at first the idea that a movie about belief in Santa would be positively correlated with a movie. I mean, the thought process of what Christians go through right. to believe in God, it's kind of like, 
no, no, don't do that. That's exactly what we're accused of doing is believing in something against all the evidence. But an important disclaimer that you made, and I think one that it helped me even get on board with thinking that this is a story that could be worth using, is that in the universe of the Polar Express, Santa is in fact quite real. Not easy to believe in, but quite real. And so the boy is coming to grips with what is true about his universe, even though there are some indicators, there are some things that would lead you to believe it's not true. He knows in his heart it is real and then goes on a journey to discover what is true in his universe. And in that sense, it has exact parallels to what mm-hmm. we experience in our world about God. But I, I was definitely like, oh, I feel awkward about this at first. So talk to me about that tension. No, yeah, I felt the very same tension when I first, you know, started. Uh, well, you know, I didn't have long to think about it, to be honest. But <laughs> when I first started thinking about it, um, realizing I was going to speak about it and, and looking, looking through some of the materials that were already assembled, uh, and just knowing the movie myself, um, yeah, I felt some of that tension as well. But I also, that's why that disclaimer to me felt very important to include, um, because I wanted us to think about the fact that within the storyline, this kid is struggling with something very, very real, not not a pretend story. But mm-hmm. let's now transfer our thoughts back to the actual world, okay? And let's realize that we struggle with that very same kind of a dynamic, kind of attention. Um, when it comes to a being that we believe to be, in fact, real, but the one that we can't, you know, can't see, we've never seen physical evidence for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, so, so I, it's very much the same. I super appreciated your everyone's a believer um, sidebar as well. I felt like that was, and you know, sidebar is probably the wrong description because it's so integral to the message. But um, I think that is true because sometimes belief in God is... Um, set up as if there are believers and unbelievers. You know, there's two kinds of people in the world, some people who do and some people who don't, but instead recognizing like, no, that's not true at all. Everyone has basic beliefs, all of which are fundamentally unprovable. Um, And so which of these beliefs makes best evidence of the facts? And of course that's where the debate lives um, and why even really smart people come down on different sides of that very same issue, but it is fundamentally a set of beliefs when you're in the world of metaphysics or, you know, cosmology or something like you are automatically in something that can't be definitively proven. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's, that's well said, Aaron. And I, I really think that when it comes to uh, faith, whether you're talking about faith in something uh, religious, so to speak, or faith in, some other metaphysical thing that ultimately you're going to have to claim to believe in order to accept any kind of large overarching worldview. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not, those two faiths are not too much dissimilar, you know, they're, they're actually very, uh, the, the object of the faith could be quite dissimilar, but the reality of their being faith that they actually do depend on belief is, is very similar. Mm. And th- this is kind of a uh, an interesting thought here. Do you um, the the, ki- the male character and the female character, the the boy and girl, they don't have names, yeah. right? They're just do they have names? I don't. Yeah, I, I, I don't. Was, I I don't think they do. I, ref- I I kept referring to him as the young man, or you know, yeah. the boy in the story. So um, I was I, I watching it on Amazon Prime. Um, because I had to download it in order to watch it anyway. And when you, when you're on Amazon prime, it shows you character information, whatever. And it was called just like boy hero and girl hero was what their names were. And I thought like, that's interesting. But um, 
they're, they're obviously the heroes. Like those are the, they're the high right central part of the story is this, this boy and girl, boy, hero, girl, hero. And I think when it comes to the, the, the idea behind the series, we're exegeting our culture. We're understanding how our cult, our culture views the world yeah. through the lens of movies. And I think it's interesting that there is something in our culture that while tending toward naturalistic explanations and really kind of like, oh, that's childish. Like we don't want to, faith can be seen as something that should be set aside for rational thinking. Um, there is something that, I mean, the Polar Express obviously was a wild success and lots of people watched it and still watch it because I do think that there's a yearning inside of humans, mm-hmm. not just not just Christians, but humans where there's something about innocence and its view of the world that actually feels right. It feels naive. And as an adult, you can recognize it to be somewhat naive, but also desirable. Like I, I kind of wish I still thought that way because I was better. The world was better. And there's like a yearning for that, the youth of that. And we would, from a biblical perspective, think of that as childlike faith, which is again, naive and, and quote, small minded, but in reality, it is simple trust. And so much of what we need to do in our relationship with God is simple trust and obedience. Not to say that the Christian faith doesn't have robust arguments. It does not to say that we shouldn't spend time in academics learning about the details of God. We should, but there is a simple naivety that is both admirable and desirable. Absolutely. Yeah. I I think that's very true. And, and I think it's not only that uh, innocence of youth, but also there are other things uh, those other emotions that we all experience as human beings that kind of play to that same yearning for something more that I was speaking mm-hmm. of. I, I even think of the present um, focus on on justice, you know, in our in our world. Yeah. Where does that come from? You know, uh, depending on your worldview, you're gonna you're gonna answer where where does that come from differently. But from the the Christian worldview, we're gonna say, well, well, certainly that comes from the fact that that we were created uh, by a just God. And he created us to uh, to live a life where we can experience uh, goodness. And when mm-hmm. we experience evil, we're affected by that in ways that we were never intended to. Everything within us wants to pull back to the goodness that we were meant to have. And so, though you know, those two themes and then many beyond that are among those unseen realities that we experience. That I think, to to me, serve as as evidence, you know, that there's a realness to the unseen world. Mm. Yeah. Those things are all really well said. And I know that you have taught equipped classes about, you know, the cross section of faith and science and what that looks like. There are great resources out there. There are people who many, many, many people who have spent their entire professional careers at that nexus saying, how do Christians live in this space and how do we live? So, there's no, there is no weak mindedness. There is no rollover and just believe in what we're saying, but there is at the end of the day, a degree to which we have to accept in innocence and belief, the truth of a, of a world that we genuinely can't see. And that's what the essence of faith is. Um, so absolutely. Anyway. And, and, and I love the fact that, as I said, I don't think we have to think of them as mutually exclusive, right? Yeah. I don't think that we, we shouldn't feel as followers of Jesus that we have to pitch logic. Right. Mm. Or that we have to um, or that a person that highly values logic and reason can't be a person of faith. No, absolutely not. You can you can mend or uh, merge both of those worlds together in a very real way. Actually, one example of this, I was watching. a. It was actually a women's basketball game. Uh, I think it was last week I was watching it. And one of the commentators was just talking about the the impact that the pandemic has had on the game 
of, of women co- uh, college basketball, women's college basketball. And she said, she said this, I remember this, this line, I actually wrote it down because I wanted to, to remember what she said. She said, we all need to be, to be praying that a vaccine is available soon. And I thought, yes, mm-hmm. that's, that's it. That's exactly what we're talking about. We're, we're talking about, yes, pray. That's the spiritual side. There's a spiritual reality that a vaccine, that's the medical, physical side, uh, mm. is available soon. Of course, we ought to appreciate both and we can. Yeah. Love it. That Another great example. Thank you of modeling how we exegete our culture. You're watching women's basketball and here we are talking about the intersection of faith and science. And I think that that's the way that we have to think is that every presentation of media that we ever encounter is an opportunity to test our worldview, test our understanding of God's word and see what conclusions we come to and what it means about God and, and our relationship to him. So thank you, Mark, for not only modeling it well, but for talking about it today. Thank you for jumping in to speak. Thank you for helping me pick. I didn't know your systems manager, <laughs> Rick. Congratulations. And we're looking forward to your submissions of things that you can only eat. Best thing to eat or drink that you only eat or drink at Christmas. Uh, Give us some reasons. Podcast at Northridge Rochester. We'll do our best to get back to you. Hopefully next week we'll be back rocking with Drew and he'll come up with some better criteria of what we pick. And once again, you can bank on Drew and I not thinking that the same foods are good. So as always, it should be a fun controversy. Thanks everyone for listening. And of course, Merry Christmas. Thank you.